It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. This is Bonus Benson. This segment is officially completely off the rails. What are you talking about? Stuff we wish never aired. I will eat chalupas all day long. Come on, man. The Guy Benson Show. Home stretch on the Guy Benson Show. On this Monday, glad you're here. Well, it's sort of like paint by numbers, especially in conservative talk radio. Oh, look at this celebrity leftist who isn't practicing what he preaches. Happens a lot. And it's decent fodder for a show like this. You might say it's a little played out, except it keeps playing out, is the thing. So I think it's fair to highlight from time to time that people who tell us to do things in our lives differently may not embrace the change that they want to see in the world at the expense of what they want to do in their own lives. And thus, we come to the latest story involving Leonardo DiCaprio, the movie star, who was pictured and photographed on vacation near St. Bart's aboard a 315-foot, six-story high with six decks, roughly $150 million mega yacht. And, I mean, in fairness, this thing looks awesome. I don't do that well on boats. I've talked about this before. I struggle with nausea and seasickness. Although, when we went to Greece back in October... Our friends had wanted to charter a catamaran for the day. I was very nervous about it because of my proclivity toward seasickness. But I had two patches, one behind each ear, and I was fine. So maybe that's just the solution moving forward. But you look at this yacht, because there's photos of it, six decks, there's a helipad. You can land a helicopter onto the yacht. Just, you know, for convenience, obviously. And it just looks... Fantastic. I mean, you'd hope it'd be fantastic for 150 million bucks. It's got a gym. It's got a swimming pool. It's got a beach club. It's got a movie theater. It's called Vava 2. It's the biggest yacht to be manufactured in Britain, according to the UK Daily Mail. And it's owned by a Swiss pharmaceutical billionaire. And I guess it's available to rent or something like that, DiCaprio's people, because people snapped a few photos of him lounging in the sun, it looks awesome. Like, I'm not attacking him for doing this. If someone's like, hey, do you want to come on this yacht? I would say, absolutely, assuming I could even come close to affording just getting there. But if this were an opportunity, I would avail myself of exactly the same opportunity. I'm just also not someone running around screaming that the planet's about to end and we all need to radically change our lives and our policies and pay much higher taxes and all this stuff in order to fend off this impending doom for Mother Earth, which is what he does. That's his big passion project in his life beyond his acting work, Leo DiCaprio. So... Even at whatever, he's late 40s, I want to say. He looks better than I would if I were captured in a paparazzi photograph. Although there would be no paparazzi looking for me, right? So that's, that's the good side. 
He's just hanging out, looking like he is very relaxed. Again, I applaud his vacation. It looks just totally baller. But the thing about this yacht is, according to this same report, in sailing just seven miles, it expends a carbon footprint roughly equivalent to a car over the course of an entire year. That's just seven miles of sailing. So if we really are on the brink of an environmental collapse, and it's going to be disastrous for the world, you would think that someone like Leonardo DiCaprio would say, I am going to go without. I'm going to curb my own personal footprint, my own lifestyle. I'm not going to do all the things that might seem fun and awesome because I need to set an example. These types of yachts are incredibly wasteful. I'm not going to be caught dead on one. But that was not the choice, apparently, that DiCaprio made. This yacht can accommodate 22 guests, 30 crew, has a range of 5,700 miles. Wow, so do that math. 5,700 miles when seven mile increments of that is the equivalent of a like passenger car for an entire year on carbon emissions. Now, I'll say this for DiCaprio. He has spent tens of millions of his own dollars on conservation and trying to protect endangered species, and I think that that's great. I think he's made something like $200 million or 200 million pounds is what the article says. So what, well north of $200 million over the course of his career. Hats off to him. Slow clap. His big breakout had to be Titanic. I know he was in some stuff before that. And he's appeared in hit after hit after hit ever since. I really liked his character. What was the... Uh, the movie set in Boston with the corrupt cops and the gangsters and that whole fight. The Departed. Ooh. Some of the scenes he was in were just like jaw-dropping. That was a great movie. I don't dislike the guy. I don't dislike his movies. But, I don't know. He just made a movie about climate change. On Netflix, Don't Look Up. Where it's supposed to be technically, like literally about a comet that's coming or a, a huge asteroid that's going to destroy Earth and everyone's not taking it seriously enough and it's not a subtle allegory or a subtle reference. It's just beat you over the head. It's about climate change. Fine, they're trying to make their point. They're trying to do it in an entertaining way. If the message is we're all going to die and it's coming really soon and we have to radically change course or else this will become inevitable. If that's the message, then the hugely wasteful pollution factory that is a super yacht would probably be off limits to someone who believes all of those things. But apparently that is not the case. I would say based on DiCaprio's character's experience in Titanic, I hope that this yacht stays firmly in warm waters. You don't want to go up north because you never know what might happen. End up clinging to a door or whatever. I could not resist the Titanic reference. He's on a ship. It's Leo DiCaprio on a giant vessel. How can you not make the Titanic? Anyway, I have not watched Don't Look Up. It does not really appeal to me. Once people were talking about 
the politics of it, and it's become sort of this proxy fight about politics. It just doesn't really interest me. But producer Christine and Dan both watched it. Christine, did you like Don't Look Up? No, not at all. How about Don't Watch It? Don't, don't go looking for it on Netflix. No, I, my, my husband was really, you know, eager to watch this. And I sat down with him. And it's a long movie. And halfway through, it lost me. But I, I, I went through it. I don't have anything else to do. Sitting here with COVID. So I figured, why not? Um, it was, it's exactly what you think, you know, liberal Hollywood's going to do with a movie like that. You have the Republican president who has the, oh, let's just wait and see. We're not 100% sure, you know, basically saying we're doing the same thing with climate change. So it just, I don't know, it didn't do anything for me. And I, I, I think it's really hypocritical of Leo and I love me some Leo DiCaprio. But this is actually so. Producer Christine gives "Don't Look Up" what two crumbled cookies on your scale? Yeah, if that, if I don't know if, if I give my cookies. Dan, did you like it? So going in, it it had all the elements I would love: Leo DiCaprio, Jonah Hill, satire. I love me an Armageddon asteroid movie, you know. But I got halfway through, and it fell very much short for me, and I didn't finish it. I just I couldn't do it. Um, oh, you stopped. I stopped. I, I I had a lot of time to finish it, and I just I just didn't. It it just really didn't grab me, and I, I don't know. I just didn't like that much. I wonder if you or Christine had been aboard this super yacht in the cinema on this yacht, you could have just maybe toggled to the next movie. I, I would like, have feigned interest, of course. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, if you were there with him, you'd be like, "Oh, yeah, so fascinating. <laughs> why are you? Why are you on this gas guzzling yacht, Leah? Well, never mind. Let's not think too hard about that. I'll have another drink. Thank you very much. That would, I think, probably be the go along to get along strategy aboard. What is it? Was it called Vava Two? But yeah, I could not resist this story because it's uh, some Hollywood hypocrisy. Plus, you guys had mentioned that you both at least started the movie over the weekend. So these two elements combined for a perfect home stretch segment topic. And I think we've exhausted it. And with that, we're out of time anyway. Works out actually relatively well. I'll be on special report tonight coming up in the next hour, 6.40-ish Eastern Time Fox News Channel. See you there with Brett Bayer and company. Back here tomorrow on the radio, same time, same place. Thank you for listening, and have a great night. We'll see what happens tonight in the national championship game. I say go dogs, but I'm skeptical. But as a college football fan, I'll be watching. All right, back here tomorrow. Talk to you then. Have a great night. Young's career. You need 10. Play clock at four. From the pocket. Launching downfield. Underthrown and intercepted. Keely Ringo has an escort down the sidelines. All the way to the end zone. And Georgia is going to conquer the Crimson Tide. Home stretch on the Guy Benson Show on this Tuesday. And we talked just briefly yesterday, about the national championship game in college football. And it went down last night, and that was the game-sealing touchdown. A pick-six, Chris Fowler on the call on the national telecast, ESPN.
And that was the moment when it was quite clear that despite getting drubbed in the exact same matchup just a few weeks ago in the SEC championship game in Atlanta, the Georgia Bulldogs had pulled themselves off the mat, had come back, beaten Alabama, and claimed their first national championship in four decades. And on special report last night, I gave a shout-out before the game to a few of my friends who are big Bulldog fans. Mary Catherine Hamm, of course. Sanders and Karen Hickey, of course. Friends of mine. Our whole listening audience down in Atlanta at Extra, where, by the way, I'll be visiting in just a matter of weeks. Cannot wait for that. Congratulations to our great affiliate in Atlanta, Georgia. Is everyone okay today? Are there some hangovers, perhaps, throughout the state of Georgia today? Very much deserved, if that's the case. And someone else that I mentioned and name-checked, how could I not, is our final guest of the show, Joey Jones, retired Marine, Fox News contributor, Fox Nation host, and also host of the Fox podcast, Proud American, at foxnewspodcast.com, and a lifelong Bulldog fanatic, and we almost never have guests on the home stretch, our final segment of the show, but I could not resist because as a sports fan, I'm not a Georgia fan. I'm not an SEC fan. I'm a Big Ten guy. I'm a Northwestern fan, but I like to live vicariously through friends when they have an exciting moment. Most of the country, and I'm sorry if you're an Alabama fan, you guys will be back. You've got some amazing young players. Yes, some key weapons were injured. We get all of that. This might not be the segment for you, just to be clear, but just I'm just giving you that warning here. But, Joey, I know that there have been times in my life as a sports fan where I have been moved to tears of happiness when something has happened and I could go through a few of the examples, I would say on the sports side, the college sports side of it, it pales in comparison to what you guys just experienced last night, not just winning the national championship game, but doing it by getting that monkey off of your back, beating the Crimson Tide, beating Nick Saban. It felt like it might not happen yet again. Brutal first half, slog, defensive play, that weird freak Fumble recovery that Alabama converted into a touchdown. It's like, here we go again. And then I don't know what happened. In the fourth quarter, the afterburners came on for the Bulldogs. And it's like someone woke up and realized, oh, wait, we are the number one team in the country for a reason. We were for almost the entire season. Let's play that football. Let's stop doing this scared, can't-beat-Alabama thing. And it's got to be, I can only imagine, it's got to be so satisfying for you today you know satisfying is one way to put it i um actually i'm a little bit sick right now and i am on cloud nine i get to be home today i don't have to be anywhere i'm not doing a lot of work Uh, i was supposed to travel today but i'm sick and uh and i tell you i don't know what else i don't know what else to do i I was watching the game (laughs) right up until you gave me a call on its rerun and uh i'll tell you man it's, it's really amazing and my best friend is an Alabama fan. I just spent a week and a half with him traveling the country duck hunting. That's why I'm a little bit sick. And um, and so there's a group text of all Marines. There's a Florida fan, a couple Alabama fans, a Ohio State fan, and myself. And, you know, it's been tough over the last five years because it's kind of like the Buffalo Bills of the past and the Miami Dolphins. You can always be the bridesmaid but never be the bride. Yep. And this idea that uh, that you could have, you know, playing in the SEC – you could have everything you want except beating Alabama, and, you know, it's kind of tough. But 
You know, I think I, I take a reflection and say, why does this stuff matter so much? Like, why, why is a football team I never played for or a university I didn't go to college at, some of my family did, but I didn't, why does that matter so much? And I think it goes back to my time in the Marine Corps and being the guy from Georgia in the platoon also meant I was the fan from Georgia. And so whether I go to that school ever or not, or my kids do, or I'm obviously never going to play football for them, there's an identity that, that I get to share with the state of Georgia and therefore the University of Georgia and so I think for everybody who's a fan, that's a part of it. it, it there's an identity um, connection there. And I tell you, you know, when you sit here and you're taking a punch in life and the Braves give up, a, what, a 10-to-1 lead in the first, in the first um, inning of the last playoff game two years ago or the Bulldogs come up short against Alabama in the National oh, Championship. Oh, that, that second half the was the 2018 and the Tua. Yeah. Tagovailoa exactly. comes into the game out of nowhere and beats you guys. I mean, it's just like, here we go again. And then I was in Houston, and I got up. I was in Houston with a guy named Nate Boyer. If you don't know who he is, look him up. He's a great guy. I got up to go get merchandise at halftime because I was like, there's no way the Falcons are going to lose this lead. By the time I got back and handed Nate his giant Pepsi, we were tied up. And so then you start to kind of superimpose that on your own life. Like, man, everything I pull for always comes up short. Like, maybe – like, what's wrong with me? Or, or, you know, you really do, if you're a real fan, you take that stuff personal. And in one year to have the Braves win the World Series when they weren't supposed to and to have the Bulldogs win against Alabama after losing to them with a quarterback that the narrative is always how, how he isn't that good, man, that really makes you feel like you can suffer the punches and, and work hard enough and come through it. So, Well, and I would also too, say, you know, just, personal, to, just but, to jump in, Joey, the, and not to belabor the point because it's now moot because of the – game last night in the outcome, Georgia didn't just lose to Alabama in the SEC championship game. They got smoked by Alabama, and they were going to have to completely reboot if they were going to have a chance to come back and win this one. And ultimately, the score looked more like a blowout than it actually was. The pick six at the end sealed it, but Alabama had a chance to drive and tie it in the waning minutes of the game. And I think a lot of people were... On the edge of their seat, I mean, if I were a Georgia fan, my fingernails would be gone. I just chewed them off. But there is that moment of catharsis. So one example I'll give you from my fandom, Northwestern had famously lost nine consecutive bowl games. Like, we were awful for decades, never made bowl games. We had won the Rose Bowl in the late 1940s and then went back to the Rose Bowl in 1996 and were competitive and were making bowl games and were competitive in most of these bowl games, losing in overtime, double overtime, but we lost nine consecutive bowl games from the mid-90s up until 2012. And I personally was at five of those losses, and it was so frustrating. And then finally, New Year's Day, it was the Gator Bowl 2012, we went and we beat Mississippi State, and you know, we had a good turnout for a small school like us, and our fans were nervous. We're up by two touchdowns, and it still feels like we're going to find a way to lose. And no one is willing to really celebrate yet because we're all too scared. And then there was a play that made it very clear at the very end of the game, like, wait, this is over. There's no way they can come back. We're actually going to do this. And our fans started celebrating like we'd won a world war. I mean, people were going absolutely crazy. People were in tears, hugging each other. I remember that feeling, and that is how it must have felt for so many Georgia fans. I got a call from Mary Catherine when the game was over, and she said she felt numb. 
she said she didn't even know what to do. She's like, we actually did the thing. I couldn't allow myself to believe it, and now it's happened. I don't know what to do. She said, I went to the back porch. I called the dogs as loudly as I could. Now I'm sitting here. Do I just cry for a few days? What do I do? And I think that's hilarious. It is this kind of surreal moment when your team finally does the thing that they're supposedly not able to ever do, right? No, you're absolutely right. And I'll tell you, you know, you bring up a good point. And that's how we measure success. And, like, for you, the idea that, you know, can Northwestern win a bowl game, especially an important bowl game, you know, the moment they do, that feeling is probably the exact same feeling as for a Georgia fan the moment they finally win the national championship. The reason why is we don't measure ourselves against, and we shouldn't, against everybody else's standard. We measure ourselves against what we know we can accomplish and what our standard is. And for Georgia, there were so many times, I mean, all the way back to 2012 with a different head coach, Mark Rick, you know, five yards and four seconds from winning the SEC championship, which would have put us against Notre Dame. And, and the idea being, and I think the lesson to take away, if not from Stetson Bennett, the quarterback, to the team of Georgia and all of its fans, that I think what we could all share with everybody else is you just got to get up one more time. You're going to get punched down, and sometimes it's by the exact same coach and the exact same team. Get up one more time. And that's how I live my life, and now I get to be a fan that gets to brag about that for my team. And I think that makes it even more special. I'm sure Mary Catherine can can exercise. We can all exercise that a little bit. A hundred percent. No matter what we're enjoying, something in our life makes us feel like we're getting punched down. And I'll tell you what, you talk about that game in Atlanta, it's 42-24 or 41-24, I don't remember. But I'll tell you, the, the, the biggest difference in that game was our DBs and our red zone offense. And what I mean by that is this, these are single elements of the game that make a huge difference. You lose by 20 points. But really, it was it was a couple of players and a couple of plays, and that shows you how good these teams are and how fine tuned they are. That if you have one weakness, somebody's going to take advantage of it. And so I didn't worry about that game because I could see obviously why we lost and lost in the fashion we did. We were up by ten in that game, um, and we've been up by double digits in the three games before that. And and so you have the players and you have the skill set, but you got to believe it. And I think what we saw last night in the third quarter was Georgia starting to believe it. And, uh, and that makes all the difference. And, and then they actually finished. <laughs> that was the biggest difference. That's they it. finished it. in the fourth quarter. And, you know, to end on a political note, since it's mostly a political show, Georgia Bulldog legend Herschel Walker wants to be the next U.S. senator from Georgia. He will be up against the incumbent Raphael Warnock. That could be a fascinating race. And I think he has a real chance to win. I wonder if Kirby Smart ran. Would he win... 90% of the vote in the state of Georgia today, if the election were held today, I would say roughly around 90% would go for Kirby Smart. What do you think? You know, I, I think it's probably closer to 80 because we have an, 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 an imaginable <laughs> amount of Auburn fans that hunker down in that outer perimeter of Atlanta, and then you've got Tech there in the middle. So without, the, without those, you know, implanted enemies, you know, we talked about how people <laughs> migrate here from California. It's really the Auburn and Georgia Tech folks that we have to keep our eye on. <laughs> okay. But outside of that, yeah, Kirby Smart's a pretty popular man in the state of Georgia, probably the most popular next to maybe Herschel right now today. Well, congratulations to the whole state of Georgia, to Bulldog Nation, to our listeners in Atlanta at Extra. A very exciting night. And to personal friends who have been waiting for a very long time for this moment. Mary Catherine was nine months old when Georgia won their last national championship and now she's seen another one. And the way that they're playing and they're recruiting, it may not be the last. Joey Jones, thanks for joining us. Congratulations. What an exciting, exciting night and run for your team. 
Absolutely, man. Thank you. And with that, we are out of time. Kennedy tonight, 7 p.m. Eastern Time, Fox Business Network. I'll be joining the panel this evening. Hope to see you there. Back here on the radio, same time, same place tomorrow. Have a great evening. Home stretch on this Wednesday. It's the Guy Benson Show. GuyBensonShow.com. That's the website. Podcast always free. Tune in tonight. I'm on Special Report with Brett Bayer and company. That's in the 6 p.m. hour Eastern time. We might be doing an early panel tonight, then a follow-up panel later in the show. So hope to see you there. Fox News Channel coming up very shortly. Well, we have been talking to producer Christine about a number of things happening in her life, including her Omicron COVID diagnosis. And it seemed like she was through the worst of it. She got some steroids. She was feeling like a new woman. But there has been some deterioration, it would seem, on that front. Then there's another life narrative of hers that we've also been tracking. There's an update there that might be a little bit less than positive. So, Christine, first of all, your daughter has been fine and over COVID now for a while, It seemed like you and your husband were both on the mend, but then what happened? Things got worse? I I was doing so much better uh, when I was on the roids. And uh, yesterday was the first day I was off of it, and I feel like I'm back to square one again. And I'm not really sure how many times, you know, how many rounds of steroids I can take because I'm starting to look like a cabbage patch kid. My face, <laughs> it's not funny. Cabbage not cookie. Funny at all. Sorry. My face looks so distorted. I even said to Bobby last night, should I maybe put on some fake tanner? Like, do you think? And he goes, so you're just going to look like an orange cabbage patch kid? No. <laughs> he said, just leave it alone. Oh, so he's conceding the cabbage patch kid point? Yeah, my face isn't looking pretty right now. Let me tell yeah, you. Kind that. of like a like a moon face situation. Yes, yes. It and it feels droopy. At first, I told them I thought I had that. What's that? Um, Bell's palsy. I thought I maybe had that because I felt droopy, but no, I don't think it's that. I think it's just the roids. So you're not happy and, with the face situation, let's say. But what about other symptoms? Like, are you? still feeling way off are you tired do you have a bad cough like are there other some like like traditional covid tied symptoms that are still nagging here or is it just other stuff at this point so i thought it was just other stuff but um once i got off the steroids yesterday i could feel last night and into the morning the cough is coming back i feel intense pressure and like almost pain in my chest and that's why the doctor's worried. He's like, I just don't like that, he, especially for Omicron, because he said it really isn't hitting the chest. It's really I mean, more it, of a, It could be Delta, right? It could be. Yes. Yes, it could be. Um, so he, uh, he we're going to have a another appointment <laughs> later on tonight. More steroids and for Cookie? Either more steroids or he said maybe a antibiotic now. Um have you been I having have any strange anger management issues, any rage, if you will, being on these steroids and now coming off of them? 
I actually haven't. Most people, they say I'm on one, can I say the name of it, called prednisone. And a lot of people say you get depressed being on it and, you know, you shouldn't be on it for a long time. I, same thing like the vaccine. Remember, I had the opposite effects of everybody else. I, I actually enjoyed being on it. I felt like I was happier, had more energy. Uh, but we'll see what happens. It's just, it, this thing is lingering. It really is no joke. It, you know, you just, you just got to be careful. But luckily, my husband is much better, and Megan is completely fine. So, so you're sort of the, just, the straggler here. Yeah, yeah, but hopefully... Let's Although see, you tested positive days. last, right? You were the yeah. last one to test positive, so it would make sense that if it was even a remotely similar trajectory that you would perhaps fully recover last as well. I tested positive 10 days after Megan and I think seven days after Bobby. Okay, so that kind of makes sense, even though you were feeling sick before you tested positive, right? You were testing negative, and we're like, we think you've got it. Like, you could test negative, you've got it, and then lo and behold, in comes the positive test. Steroids were what you needed at the time, but now they've run their course, and you're still kind of in the weeds of this thing. You've been working from home the whole time. Have you ever come close to, like, calling out sick? Because it's been too bad? Uh, yeah, I think last week, one of the days, uh, oh, <laughs> Wyatt's not here, but poor Wyatt. Um, I made him actually, which is so not his job, and I'm sorry to the bosses, but I actually made him call me to wake me up from a nap. <laughs> that was wow. his job for the morning, <laughs> to make sure Cookie woke up. <laughs> Did he do that very quietly? Christine, <laughs> he literally Christine, said, Cookie, wakey, wakey. Cookie. Yeah, it was right before the meeting, and I, I honestly couldn't keep my eyes open. I thought I got hit by a truck, but I didn't want to call out. So I said, Wyatt, I'm going to close my eyes for 20 minutes. Please wake me up. And so he called and said, Cookie, it's almost time. <laughs> In the meantime, you've got this other major life project that you've embarked upon, and we've talked about it here on The home stretch multiple times. We were really here at the, the ground floor, so to speak, of your scheme to sell your house, you eventually went forward with the plan. We had that conversation. Then you got an offer. We debated that on the air. You ultimately accepted the offer. And I kind of assumed that this whole thing was done because they had waived contingencies and you were satisfied with the asking price and so on and so forth and, and what they'd offered. But I discovered today that this is, in fact, not only not completed yet, but, in fact, perhaps in peril, in flux. What's going on? So I think I spoke to you about this. I don't remember if we talked about this on air or off air, but um, the people that wanted that want to buy our house, if you remember correctly, wanted to waive, you know, the home inspection and the appraisal. And then they said, you know what, we're going to have a home inspection, but this is more for our notes. Well, their notes mm. came back to us and they wanted a substantial amount off the house. They either wanted us to, you know, put a lot of money into the house to fix it, or they wanted us to give them a credit, you know, taking money off the house. Uh, we have just replied to them within the last couple hours saying, no, uh, you, there will be no credit. This is an as is, take it or leave it. And please let us know, you know, at your earliest convenience. So we could even know by today, if they accept it, then we move forward. And I think we sold our house. 
Uh, and if they if they decline, we are starting. We're back to square one. Good news is my real estate agent has said that she has had nonstop calls about this house. Uh, there's one lady she said that calls her every single day asking if the deal has fallen through and can she, you know, look at the house. So obviously nobody can come look at this house while we have COVID anyway. So we will just be back to square one and see what happens. Are you anxious about this? Or are you just sort of like, it is what it is, whatever happens, happens? I, I'm a little anxious about this. And as you know, I've talked to you about this off air. Um, I really want to get to a psychic because I believe that maybe that will give me some clarity over nope. some things in my life. Being this being one of them, I, I, I'm just going to ignore the no. Um, and I was going to make an appointment this weekend to go to the psychic. Uh, but oh, obviously, Christine. I don't I, I think that th- this one, she is only she's not only a psychic, but she she says she's a life coach. So I think that maybe she can give me why would clarity. why would she need to coach anything if she can already see what's going to happen to you? Because she can guide me. No, it's just you know, it's a she, grift. No, she's very popular in New Jersey. So okay. I, I wanted to make an appointment with her, but I just think right now, obviously not the best timing. So I really was hoping she was going to tell me, you know, is this going to work? Is this going to go through? There's other things that are going on uh, with my husband. So, but um, I'll let you know when the psychic happens. I actually wanted you to come with me to that, but if you don't want that to. That is a hard, okay. hard no from me. What did your daughter have to say about the psychic? She said, Mommy, how do you know they're telling you the truth? And I said, well, you just have to believe. And she said, so basically, it's just like, you know, like a story. I I don't know how she put it, kind of like one of her Disney movies. She's like, they just have to believe in it? Like, she didn't believe in it. And I said, you know, they also can speak to people that have died. And she goes, all right, well, if that's the case, then I want to talk to Jesus. I'll come with you if they can talk to Jesus for me. (laughs) She's being much more rational and reasonable about this than her mother? Are you surprised? No, but I really do believe in that stuff. And I, I haven't been to a psychic in many, many... I used to go all the time. Like, I used to get my cards read all the time. When was the last time ago. you went to Mass or Confession? That might be... Oh, I, I do that, too. Actually, Megan and I are going to Mass this Sunday. Megan and I, uh, we try to attend Mass. Yeah, don't tell the priest. You probably wouldn't like that. Yeah, so many layers to Hail, cookie, right? Some Hail Marys. Some Hail Marys <laughs> for the uh, crystal ball palm reading or whatever you're up to. No, aye, it's tarot cards. There's no crystal ball. It's tarot cards. Oh, well, well, in that case, it makes perfect sense. That's, that's much more uh, scientific and accurate, reliable. All she has to do is be like, ooh, I sense confusion and anxiety in your life. You're like, oh, my God, yes, you're nailing it. That is that has happened before. And then you just have to be careful about mm-hmm. the selling because they try to sell you, you know, because there's healing crystals. So you just have to be careful. <laughs> the no, whole thing seriously. is fake. <laughs> no, you're already no, you're already falling for the grift if you're there, in my opinion. She's a life coach. Did I not tell you that? No, that life coach is a very different thing. And by the way, why would you listen to that life coach when you never listen to this life coach who actually gives you good advice and actually knows you? Ooh, that's a good point. Mic drop. We're done. I'm on Special Report, Fox News Channel, tonight coming up in the next hour. Back here tomorrow for more on the radio, of course. Same time, same place. Have a great evening. We will talk to you very soon.
a stretch on this Friday Eve. It's the Guy Benson Show. Thanks for tuning in. If you miss any of the program today or any day, you really do miss a lot. I've started to hear from some friends who I'm delighted to find out actually listen to the show. I shouldn't be shocked that people who are friends of mine would occasionally tune in, but it's just cool to me that like personal friends, including some who don't agree with me, have started listening. One of my very liberal friends reached out. He said, yeah, I caught some of your show the other day. I said, really? He said, yeah, I just tuned in live. You were talking about Ron DeSantis and the attacks against him, and I have to admit, you made some good points. I'm like, excellent. If you can't listen live, there's a podcast. That's the whole reason I'm doing the little PSA here for the show, a little advertisement. Podcast free every day, on demand. No charge to you when the show's over. GuyBensonShow.com, FoxNewsPodcast.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can just subscribe. That's the easiest thing. It's free. It's not going to cost you anything. And then you can check it out, and we appreciate every single one of those downloads or subscriptions and even positive reviews on, like, you know, Apple Podcasts or what have you. The reviews help as well. Just putting that out there. GuyBensonShow.com. Well, here at the show, it is starting to get kind of lonely around these parts. So we have Quiet Wyatt on the team who has been out this week. He's facing a family situation, and we wish them all the best and very well. And, you know, it's it's tough when a relative, an elderly relative, isn't doing well, and, and Wyatt is with his family dealing with that. So we have been a little bit short staffed without him this week. And he is quiet and diminutive and young, but he's also a force behind the scenes and really helps this show work. But we're professionals. We're making it work, making it happen. Then our engineer, Dan, he is down with what we believe is probably COVID. He said he woke up today feeling absolutely rotten. He's going to try to get tested, but quite sick. He thinks it's COVID. He's avoided it so far, but maybe the Rona has finally caught up with Dan, so he's out. And by the way, we appreciate all the help we're getting. It's like a team effort. How many people are, like, left in the engineering department at Fox News Radio right now? It's pretty decimated. Keep everyone in a bubble at this point. Everyone who's left. In any case, we have Wyatt out. We have Dan out. Producer Christine has been sick now for, what, two weeks? She has COVID, still not feeling better, although now she's on antibiotics and is, again, we think, on the mend. But that's what we thought last week when she got on the steroids. We talked about that yesterday. She still doesn't sound great. She's definitely not 100% herself. But it's down to, like, me and half of Christine. And (laughs) then people working hard to help us pull this thing together and get a show on the air. And again, we are extremely grateful for that. Josh is doing yeoman's work today in particular. But Christine, you're saying this is sort of not your worst nightmare where there's all this stress and you're having to produce a show with very little help. You're saying this is my worst nightmare because it's dwindling down and down and down to just Benson and Cookie. I mean, I always told you, I'll never leave, even during COVID. You do say that. You have made this threat so many times. You're like, you will never get rid of me. (laughs) 
How much better are you feeling now? And does it feel like this might be a final recovery as opposed to a premature recovery that then went backwards? Well, I don't want to jinx anything, but I think we're on. I think we're finally, you know, I said this before we're turning a corner, but I mean, it's perfect to say I think I'm in the home stretch. I, I, I think I think I got this. I think the antibiotics are really going to, you know, kick this thing out of me. Unfortunately, when I had another doctor's appointment last night, he said that he feels it's probably a secondary infection, not necessarily COVID. But well, uh, that would make sense because antibiotics would be for something else, probably. So correct. You, you yeah. probably had COVID and then some other illness because it is that season and people are walking around sick. It happens. Did you really get back to back? illnesses and you you couldn't have given this to dan right you've been working at home this whole time dan just got I it independently home. no and don't forget they think that there's possible chance i could have had the flu first that stomach thing so it could have been back to back to back oh this could be like a, a trifecta yeah i mean yeah but i'm not making any money off of it so <laughs> I, I think I think we're good. I think we're good. I think I, I just need a little more time. Luckily, I can do all this, you know, most of it from home. But I know when I woke up this morning and I saw Dan had to call out, all I can imagine was your face when you probably had to read that text message. Well, I was trying to figure realize. out, like, I actually had a moment where I thought, what happens if Christine takes another turn for the worse <laughs> and she can't even produce from home? Like, how does the show even happen? What do, what do I do? We're down everyone at that point. So I also had this thought, and I'm embarrassed to admit it. If you had the flu and then COVID and now something else in a row, do you genuinely believe, and this is a callback to yesterday, that if you had just engaged the services of what you call New Jersey's favorite psychic earlier, she could have seen this coming. Oh, Christine, you're going to have three in a row in this order. Do you actually believe that? Uh, yes. Well, there's two things that I believe that could have helped prevent it. Literally prevent in the cards? Third. Oh, my God. Well, there's two things here. One, I think after this year, I'm never doing dry January again. Because every time I get off the hooch, and I believe that's something that's probably clearing my system out and keeping me from getting sick. Every time I stop the booze is when I get super sick. So that is well. Let's let's think about that for just a second because you got really really sick in very early 2020, right? January, I want to say 2020. I think yeah. I was on my honeymoon, and you yeah. were extremely ill. It was dry January time. You got super sick, and we retrospectively wondered: was that possibly one of those? very early undiagnosed COVID cases in America. It's possible, but you said it was like sicker than you've even been this time around. So there was that. Then last year you tried dry January again, failed. You got 11 days in and then went back to the booze, but you also were ill last January. Here we go again. It could just be that you were very susceptible to getting sick sort of in this season with these temperatures after the holidays when you're around a lot of people, often crowded at parties and stuff, that might be the Occam's razor explanation here. But I'm not surprised that you would blame the lack of alcohol. And maybe the way to test it is next year. You do the opposite. You do wet January. 
right? You use the holidays as a build-up to a giant <laughs> festival of drinking in January and see if you get sick beyond your sort of typical hangover stuff. Although you were saying this year you've been really bitter and angry and resentful because at times you have felt hungover yes. having not had a drop to drink, right? You're like, That's hang on. That's not fair. That's not fair. <laughs> what does Bobby think I've of this been... theory? He, uh, well, so, I mean, he'll, he'll play into it for me, but he says the same thing. He's like, Christine, I don't know, every time you say you're going off the booze, you get super sick. So, and Bobby, uh, Bobby broke because uh, we were doing dry January together. But uh, he failed miserably and no, broke. He cut and ran. He cut and ran. And you know what? I, I did the same thing last week, and I actually got a few notes from listeners, like DMs and notes on Twitter. Did you have some wine last weekend? Did you have some wine last weekend? Because on Friday's show, last Friday, I was discussing that we were going to have a dinner party and all that. Yes, I had, I believe, a glass of white wine because we had fish. We made salmon last Friday night. I had white wine with that. I had two glasses of red wine after that with our company. And that was it. Then Saturday, I had a glass of wine with dinner. And that was it. I also, it wasn't a big drinking weekend. I was working all weekend. I was hosting TV Saturday and Sunday. So I did not maintain dry January until sort of the quasi goal, which was tomorrow. But it was like a few glasses. And I will have a few more glasses, I would imagine, tomorrow and this weekend. I'm doing the show, by the way, from the bunker. Considering that everyone's dropping like flies <laughs> all around this place, I'm doing the show from the bunker today and tomorrow. Hopefully that works. Back here tomorrow, come to mention it, come to think of it, on the Guy Benson Show, Friday edition, same time, same place. We will talk to you then. Have a great night. Stay healthy, especially you, Christina. Just don't get less healthy. How about that? It's the Guy Benson Show. on the Guy Benson Show. It is Friday of the weekend. Right around the corner. Just a few minutes to go here. GuyBensonShow.com. Podcast is always free. At Guy Benson Show. That's our handle. Twitter and Instagram. So, a brief story that my husband experienced yesterday. We are out at the shore at our friend's house. And they recently moved, so we're sort of occasionally checking in on their house. And it's beautiful here, so they very kindly let us stay for a couple nights. So we're out here, and I'm doing the show from here. I'm actually looking at the water right now. Just a stunningly beautiful view. I've been posting some of the photos on my Instagram, Guy P. Benson. And thanks to the amazing technology of radio, I can just do the show here from time to time. That's what I've done. So one of the questions that our friends, this is their house, what they had for us when we arrived was, is there any way you can mail us to our new address some paint? I guess they had a small can of paint that they needed for some reason. So Adam very kindly drove down to the uh, post office in town and was going to mail the paint. And he looked up on his phone, like on the official website of the U.S. Postal Service, if you're allowed to mail paint, he found the rules. The answer is yes. Okay, all good. So he goes to the post office yesterday. He has already a package, and he's going to put the package within a package. And they ask the question, are there any liquids or this or that? 
And he said, yes, there's paint. And the person says, oh, we can't mail paint. And he was sort of confused by it. And he said, well, I thought that you could. And the person said, nope, can't mail the paint. You can go to UPS. You can go to some of our competitors. But we're not allowed to do that. So that was sort of confusing. He decided not to really argue very much. Had a few other errands to do. And then in the town over, there's another post office. So he decided, look, I'm just going to answer the question differently if they ask me the same question because I see on their website that you are allowed to mail paint. This other person was wrong. I'm just going to go and mail this thing to our friends one town over. So he shows up, and he's going through the whole process again, and the person asks him, is it this, is it that? He says, nope, we're all good. The person then sort of shakes the package a little bit and says, no, we can't mail this. This is paint. And he was so confused. Like, how on earth can you possibly know it's paint? The other post office, the person called the next town over suspecting that he might try to mail it elsewhere to preemptively block him from doing so and telling the next post office, if this guy comes in, he might try to mail paint. Don't let him do it. I cannot believe that you had a, an employee of the Postal Service who had that much time on their hands, was even that motivated to make this phone call to block him from doing the thing that the website specifically says he's allowed to do. So at this point, he decided that he was going to put up a fight. And he pulled up their website, and he read verbatim from the website to this woman, and she was not happy that he was making this case. She was not perhaps the most motivated uh, professional that he'd ever encountered, apparently. And, I mean, look, so, you know, government worker, sometimes the stereotypes fit. Sometimes they don't. Sometimes they do. And in this case, it did. So he makes the case. She's then going to get on the phone. She's not happy that she has to make the call. She's verifying on the website. And it turns out he's just absolutely right. Like, it's just in black and white. So eventually, begrudgingly, she lets him mail the paint, but she's making it very clear that she's unhappy about all of it. You better believe he took the tracking option, because he's like, this paint will never go. Like, she'll throw it right in the water, out of spite, potentially. He was worried about that because of this conversation. He was being polite, and he's a polite, cheerful person. He said at the end, because she was sort of grumbling under her breath, and he just said, not passive-aggressively, just like, well... I guess we all learned something today, and she was not happy with that. She said, I don't want to learn anything today. I just want to go home. To go, all right, points for honesty. So PSA, you're allowed to mail paint, apparently, and don't let them tell you otherwise. I still can't believe that one post office called the next one, anticipating the possibility. I wonder how many other post offices in the area this person called. Like, how inconvenient were they going to try to make it for him? And it'd be one thing, like, very officious and ridiculous, even if they weren't allowed to mail paint. To me, it's especially bad because they were wrong in their assessment here. All right, that's my story of my spouse for the day. But he prevailed. The paint is in the mail, gentlemen. Meanwhile, Christine, you've had an interesting experience involving your husband and a bit of a miscommunication, it sounds like. Yeah, so we are... 
still not sure if we sold our house. Uh, the buyers are taking their sweet time deciding if they are accepting, you know, our counter or not. But in the meantime, I guess background searches are being done. And my husband, apparently, his name is pretty popular in the state of New Jersey. And uh, on his record right now are three things that have nothing to do with him, but it's halting us from doing anything further because he has to clear it up. One of them being that he owes child support. So uh, right away. Wait, wait, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. I'm, I'm sort of confused by this story. He needs to do a background check. You both do as a Mm -hmm. part of the uh, house selling process. And there have been three red flags on his name during the background check, but it's not him, apparently. It's people in New Jersey who have his same name, first and last, that have cropped up in the background check and are delaying things. Correct. Correct. Okay. Uh, there, there are three, and they're all three separate people. Bobby would be the fourth, but uh, showing up on his, you know, background search. And one of them has to do with uh, child support. Another has to do with some sort of um, bankruptcy issues. And another thing has to do with some credit cards or things that uh, someone didn't pay. And it's all getting hit back on Bobby. Are so, you sure it's not him? <laughs> is, he, is he a deadbeat I, dad with a secret family who's so in I deep debt? I did call his mother. I'm not kidding. I did call his mother up in Massachusetts. And I said, um, Gabby? What is happening here? Are there things that I need to know? And she made a good point because all the hits that came up were in the past 10 years or so. And she said, darling, he has been yours for the past 10 years. <laughs> this is on you to figure out. <laughs> I'm not. Yeah, why would kid. she know? Why would you call his mom? Because I call his mom for everything. Mm, Whenever I'm that. mad at him or anything, I always call his mother. Sometimes I call his mother more than I call my own mother. What a joy that must be for her. But go on. So she said she was not aware that he had fathered anybody, uh, you know, that, that he, and I, oh, I'm not a mother. Exactly, exactly. Although people do question that because people say Megan looks nothing like Bobby and 100% like me. Well, she looks so 100% like, like you, but that doesn't preclude him being the father. Yeah, if you, if you spoke to her for 10 minutes, you would know she's all Bobby. So now we have this hurdle to go through. Bobby did respond back. He did have to initial each uh, charge and say, nope, nope, that's not me. That's not me. And now uh, I think they're going to, our lawyer said that they might have to do a little further. I'm just confused how this works in the state of New Jersey, or is, is this like typical elsewhere too? If anyone that has the same name as you has done something problematic, it shows up when they search you. Like shouldn't, shouldn't the computer system not make that mistake? That's like, what if your name is Bob Smith? Or, you know, right. you know, if your name is John Anderson or something like that, how many John Andersons would have credit history problems or, you know, owing this or owing taxes or owing child support or, you know, criminal charges or convictions? It seems like that is a huge, huge loophole or problem in the system. I 100% agree. I mean, I I had a panic attack, of course. I'm sure you're not surprised when this all came through. Because I'm thinking, oh, my God, Bobby's going to jail. <laughs> like, that's where my, you know, catastrophic thinking goes. Um, 
And when we talked to the lawyer, they didn't seem that upset about it, you know, like worried. They're like, all right, well, we have to get this, you know, straightened out. But I said to Bobby, how long has this been on your record for? What if we had tried to go for a loan recently or, you know, this could have been problematic. So uh, we're waiting to hear further instruction of what needs to happen next. But I just want to point out. Well, maybe he this- could just maybe he could just write a check to his secret wife and that'll be over with. <laughs> I just want to point out how happy I was because when the email came in and said, hey, just want to let you know, this is the issue we're having when we ran your background check. The first thing I thought is, please don't be me. Please don't be me. Please don't be me. What did I do? (laughs) You're just happy it's Bobby. You're like, all three of them. You're three for three. I'm 0 for three. Yeah. It literally said under my name, like, nothing. There's no issues whatsoever. I'm like, oh, yes. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that's because, listen, we know, Svetlana, we know that you've changed your identity. After you were a Kremlin agent aerobics champion, of course it would be that your government works very hard to make sure that would come back clean. So that makes sense. In in fact, it would be a strike against my theory that you're a spy if you did have problems in your background check because they would never the Ruskies would never allow that. You have to be clean. What, What if my people did this on purpose? What if they put this all on Bobby like this was planted? I mean, many people are asking that question across America right now. Many people. I'm just many. Yeah, many people are asking that question right now. Well, we've had we've had an interesting hour talking about spouses, haven't we? Starting with Cat Timp. <laughs> that was something. And then uh, Adam's mailing paint story suddenly sounds more like watching paint dry. That's much less exciting and insane than the other stuff. The reason I decided to tell that story, Christine, was I cannot believe a postal employee called other offices <laughs> to try to that's shut him out. Part. What is that? Part. That's like that's like Newman from Seinfeld. That's the type of thing <laughs> Newman would do. I wish we had a camera on Adam when when he got there. They're like they told him, "Nope, we heard about you." This is yeah, he had to come home and it. have a glass of wine. A dry January, oh, not a thing. Wine. Not a thing here. It is Friday. It is the weekend. We are out of time. Back here Monday for a brand new week on The Guy Benson Show. Can't wait for that. But in the meantime, have a safe, relaxing weekend. Bonus Benson, of course. GuyBensonShow.com. You can catch that on the podcast. But we will talk to you on Monday. Good night. That was this week's edition of Bonus Benson. For more Guy Benson Show, go to GuyBensonShow.com or wherever you get your podcasts. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, subscribe and listen to the Trey Gowdy Podcast. Former federal prosecutor and four-term U.S. congressman from South Carolina brings you a -a one-of-a-kind podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.